Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's show is sponsored by Eden Foods, the most trusted name in certified organic clean food. When you shop online at EdenFoods.com, enter the coupon code ORGVIEW to receive 20% off any regularly priced items, excluding cases. For other promotional offers, please visit TheOrganicView.com's website. And don't forget to check out our contest section. On today's show, Tom is going to talk about his recent trip to California to pick up bees, and then we're going to talk about some new research about bees and other insects having the capacity for consciousness. So I'd like to welcome to the show my co-host, Colorado beekeeper, Tom Theobald. Hello, Tom. Hello, June. And how is how is the weather in Colorado? From what I understand, you had a pretty nasty snowstorm. Well, we did. It was uh, preceded by rain, then mixed with snow, and then some areas got a fairly significant uh, wet snowfall. Others sort of missed it, and uh, maybe a total of two inches, which is a, a large rain for us. That's good moisture. We never turn down the moisture here. I don't think you have a choice, <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it was just very interesting when you're listening to the news and they talk about this major snowstorm that's hitting Colorado, especially at the tail end of the month of April. So um, I'm sure that that was quite unexpected, and I'm sure at this point you'd really like to see more and more sunshine. Well, we'll get, we're going to get it. It's going to get up into the 60s and maybe even into the 70s shortly. The dandelions are blooming, and this is uh, good times for the bees. That's exactly what we need, more good times for the bees and more good things for the bees. Speaking of which, recently you took a trip to California with Miles McGahey, who is the current president of the Boulder County Beekeepers Association. Can you talk about your annual trip and why you go to California? What's involved with this trip? There's an interesting history to this. When I first started beekeeping, I uh, started the first year with 25 packages. They're called packages, and a package would contain several pounds of bees, a mated queen in a separate cage, and a syrup can to feed them while they're in transit. And we've always had a package industry to one degree or another. Beekeepers in the southern states uh, could get an early start, and they could provide packages, which would effectively be replacement colonies or additional colonies for northern beekeepers. And The first year that I kept bees, I got 25 packages, and that contributed to the number of colonies that I was building up. It was the last time I ordered packages for about 30 years. Uh, And then we began to have the significant losses that we've experienced over the past several years. And a few years ago, Miles and I went to California to bring packages back to Colorado for both new beekeepers and as re- replacement colonies for established beekeepers who had lost too many bees. So that's 
the trip that we just finished. And it has, every year is a little bit different. Every year the challenges are a little bit different. The weather is different. We've had all kinds of weather from rain to wind to blizzards to closed interstates. And and we're transporting a very fragile commodity, uh, a trailer load of honeybees of high value and... <laughs> It's a, it's a very tense trip. It's enjoyable, but it's tense. And I think we're all happy when it's come to an end and all the bees are safely in the hives. And we just finished that this past Thursday. We brought several hundred packages back, most of which will go to hobbyists, one or two. There are a few who will take a larger number, but for the most part, individual beekeepers and Collectively, that trailer load of bees through the course of the summer will pollinate something on the order of a half a million acres of land. Tom, for our listeners that are not familiar with why you do this and what's involved, is this a costly trip? Is this something that a lot of people do around the country, people that are in your position where you're trying to replenish your rapidly dwindling honeybees. I mean, why do you do this every year? Up until 10 years ago or so, that's the point at which these large losses really began to escalate. Up until that point, most beekeepers would have done as I did, which is to replace my losses which would be low to begin with, but to replace my losses and increase my numbers, if I wanted to, for my own bees, because the honeybee population was thriving, and the challenge was to keep the numbers down. Well, as we began to see these high high losses, the high annual losses, beekeepers could no longer do that. Not only were they losing a large percentage of their colonies, but the remaining colonies, for the most part, were not strong enough to do much splitting, much dividing to replace their losses. So they began to depend more heavily on the package bee industry. And that's particularly important for the upsurge of new beekeepers because they really have no choice but to start with a package in all likelihood. They might get a swarm or something like that, but a package is the most reliable way for them to begin. So that has increased the demands on the package bee industry. The challenge that we face is that this package bee industry is being asked to replace more and more colonies every year as the national uh, losses escalate. And they face the same challenges that the rest of the, the bee industry does. So the question is whether they can keep up and to what degree they can keep up to continue to replenish the losses that we're experiencing every year. What are the costs involved with doing this, Tom? I mean, your own expenses as far as traveling, and then even the cost of the packages. When I bought that first group of 25 packages, I think I probably paid 10 or $15 a piece. Now, admittedly, that was 40 years ago, but today a package is running on the order of $140. 
That's a three-pound package of bees, three pounds of bees, about 3,500 bees to the pound, and a queen, and that will be the beginning of a colony. Now, if we look at the statistics, the life expectancy of that colony is limited. It may not make it through its first season for a whole host of reasons. It may not make it through its first winter. At the very best, it probably has a short lifespan and will be, have to re, be replaced again. The question is, how much replacing can we do? How much loss can we suffer as an industry and continue? Um, so $140, um, probably more in some instances, um, and the the numbers are limited. Not everybody will get the packages they want. The question is what will come next year. Those packages may not be available in sufficient numbers at any price. We are We are experiencing a massive poisoning of the environment, and the loss of these bees is one of the indicators. It's that simple. And even the people who are intimately involved with these pesticide issues fail to grasp the enormity of the poisoning that's gone on. Either that or I am way off base, folks. Tom, how is it that you are even able to buy these packages? What What is the, the beekeeping operation doing to sustain this business, this end of the business, should I say? Very interesting. You know, I'm, I feel very fortunate to have been able, and Miles does too, to be, have been able to participate in these, the production of these packages. So basically, the way it operates, we work with the Conan Company, and the Conans have been in business since 1907, and they really have the package B industry down. They've worked out all the details over the years, and they're very good at what they do. But their bees would come in, many of their bees pollinate the almonds just as everybody else's does, and then their bees come back home, and colonies are separated out that are going to be their mother colonies. These are the ones that are going to be producing bees, young bees, and it's the young bees that they shake into the packages. So these colonies are dedicated to the production of bees. They're fed. The queens are watched carefully. In many cases, the queens are replaced if they're not functioning properly. And the Conan crew would come through about every three weeks, and they would shake bees from those colonies. Now, those colonies are thriving, and they're producing an abundance of young bees, and that's what, what we want for the packages. If the queen has got some problem, she would be replaced at that time. So it's part of their queen approval program as well. Um, a typical package would be three pounds, 3,500 to a pound, and that package would be uh, like a double shoe box, screened on two sides, has a syrup can, which is the food source, and in a separate cage, a mated queen that will become the mother of that colony when it's established in the hive. And they are shipping out thousands and thousands of these packages. 
we'll go there and we'll get a couple hundred, but we're really not not very big when it comes to packages. There's a fellow from Wisconsin who comes with a semi specially dedicated for hauling bees, and I think he he can take like 7,000. And he follows a route along I-80 and stops at various places and makes drops for beekeepers in the local areas, and he works his way all the way back to Wisconsin. Tom, how do you know that these bees will survive once they've reached Colorado? Well, the sad part is that many of them won't. I think I think the environment has become so challenging that I question whether it makes a difference how well we do our job as a beekeeper. The life expectancy of these colonies is short. Now, not all of them will be short. Some of them will survive. Some of them, and during the period that they're here, they are providing pollination. But this is a situation that can't continue. We can't continue to put these bees out into an environment where they fail to thrive. Um, we don't really know, but some of them will not make it through the first summer for a variety of reasons, and that's that's part of beekeeping, but we're seeing more of that than we should be. Overwintering has become a challenge for honeybees for a variety of reasons, so a certain percentage are going to be lost over the winter in all likelihood. Not all of them will be lost. Some of them will survive, and what we have done over the past several years is to recharge the system, in effect, with packages every spring to try to replace those losses. Joining us, actually, is Miles McGahee, who so nicely called in and would also like to share his experience with our listeners. Miles, good afternoon and welcome to the show. Pleased to be here, June. Thanks for having me. Miles, I know that you and Tom take this trip every year. What were some of the experiences that you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, gee, um, somebody makes the trip every year. It's not always Tom. Sometimes it's my wife and kids and other people. This year we took a, a relatively newer beekeeper, um, Peter uh, Roundtree, who's a younger fella of maybe 25, 28 years old, but a pretty good beekeeper. And uh, it was interesting. We've done it a lot of times, and uh, it's getting to be kind of a routine, and having a new person with us, asking a lot of different questions, different perspective, really made it kind of new again, wouldn't you think, Tom? And, yeah, um, I think it really added to the mix. Yeah. And I think that was really, really interesting to kind of see how that all shaped up. The bees we got, uh, we had been hearing reports that the bees weren't in great shape, but the bees we worked were in outstanding shape. And uh, when you're working big hives, it's very fun and enjoyable. You set a brisk pace. You're jogging the whole time back and forth. I try to get into the mix and actually work and do some do some beekeeping in there and, and – uh, it's exciting. Then you get everything loaded and you turn around and you get ready to launch and it's white knuckle until every one of those packages is in their proper place with a beekeeper and fed and 
prepared to take off. You know, it's kind of like seed in a garden. It doesn't end when you buy the seed. It kind of starts, and they have to take care of them. Now, the good news was we drove straight through, so it was a much quicker trip. We didn't get any rest for about 48 hours, but we got here a day ahead of schedule. We had a big snowstorm coming on our intended delivery date, and we got ahead of the storm and provided those bees to the beekeeper on the day that they could get it in, and it would be easy on the bees and easy on the beekeeper. And I think almost to a package, every one of them ended up doing just that. So we're real happy. And you can finally breathe a sigh of relief. Now they're into those hives again on the next good set of sunny days like today. And like Tom, they're releasing queens or checking queen acceptance. And uh, so far, knock on wood, we've had uh, good run of luck. The queens all went in well, haven't heard any complaints. And, uh, Things appear to be hanging together for one more year. We're kind of precarious in that we didn't used to have to buy packages even every year. We used to just catch swarms, and even those swarms would produce swarms. So you had kind of a never-ending supply of bees. Now bees are in such a problem and dire straits that they basically, we have to keep replenishing them. And... um, a very unnatural situation. We're happy when we can achieve that initial input in the spring. It means we have at least another chance. So. I estimated, uh, Miles, that these packages that we brought back are going to pollinate roughly a half a million acres. Yeah, that sounds about right. So it's A lot of acreage. Uh, June asked me about their life expectancy, and I said, well, it's uncertain, and and for some of them, probably short, but while they're here, they will be pollinating, and they'll be having an effect. Well, yeah, and um, they're doing the job no matter how long they survive for here, which is terrible on their part, but in the meanwhile, they do the pollination, and they do... They do provide a hell of a service here if people only really could face the reality of the fact that if you enjoy eating a varied diet, you owe a major portion of that to bees. And it's kind of turning into a weird weird thing. Bees, it used to be kind of bad luck to buy bees. It was considered to start out in beekeeping rights. You should catch a swarm or a beekeeper that was going to mentor you would get you into a swarm or help you and you didn't want to trade money on bees initially. Uh, now it's a very lucrative business, and a lot of people are in it. And, and it's getting tougher and tougher to keep bees, so their value goes up. Uh, way back in the day, you could buy a package of bees from Sears and Roebuck for $12 for three pounds in a queen. Now we know they're over $100 everywhere, and, and uh, they're much less likely to survive any length of time. So much so that you really, even though we're trying our best practices, we're treating for mites, we're monitoring everything we can, we're changing out, you know, old comb, we're requeening when necessary, making splits and divides to try and keep up on our losses. This is quickly becoming kind of a losing proposition in, in many respects. We used to get bees with a handshake and the checks in the mail kind of deal, and now... It's almost a contractual agreement. If you read the form that I use to 
uh, get bees to people, it says that we take every effort to gather and transport bees in the best possible, best practices manner. But like all forms of agriculture, we cannot guarantee in any way this undertaking. We respect you, our customers, and in general, what you are paying for is the chance to keep bees. So... Wow, that's a very powerful statement, Miles. Thank you for sharing that. That's really what it's amounted to. The industry is not what it used to be. Folks such as yourself are hanging on by a very, very thin thread, and that thread is breaking as we speak. And it just makes you wonder how much longer can you hold on because you're not making money from this. You're doing this out of the sheer love of what you do. Well, and if it's a thread, that thread's unraveling. That's for sure. Yes. Well, Miles, thank you so much for calling in. You bet. It's a little more optimistic out here. We got some sunshine. The snow's melting. The dandelions are blooming. If you're a beekeeper at all, you got to be the eternal optimist. And we're out doing the same thing Tom's trying to do and uh, checking queens and making sure they got it okay. You take care. Keep doing what you're doing. Good. Thanks, Thanks, Miles. Miles. All right. Bye-bye. Next, we have some very interesting research that pertains to whether or not bees and other insects have the capacity for consciousness. Tom, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I I have never questioned that they have a consciousness, and so I'm a little... uh, I guess I've always assumed that they have a consciousness. I'm the son of a woman who uh, learned to drive an automobile when she was in her 40s, and she had a bumper sticker that said, I break for animals, and she meant every word of it. She, Her children probably were at the top, and all of other humanity came below animals, okay? So I've always assumed that animals have a consciousness. This research is coming from some scientists that are based in Australia. For me, the same thing. It doesn't surprise me, especially after you read a book such as Dr. Thomas Seeley's Honeybee Democracy. It really isn't a surprise. But I think some people are surprised because they don't recognize that bees are not just bugs. They're not just some insect that flies around and can possibly sting you, but they are really a critical part of our lives. Well, Tom, thanks for sharing about your trip. I know that you and I spoke several times while you were en route and then back, but I think it's important for our listeners to understand exactly what you go through, especially folks like Miles and other people that are out there on the road, not only risking their lives, but traveling to such great lengths in order to just keep their their operations going. I, uh, I'd i like to say that I find it to be a privilege to do what we're doing. With all the heartaches and the tension and the risk and everything else, this is a, t- a way of life that has gone on for decades, and the Conans have welcomed us into the family and the extended family, and we've gotten to know the crew and I feel privileged, and I know Miles shares that. I feel privileged to be able to participate in this slice of life. 
Well, Jim, that uh, wraps up another week, and uh, I'm sure we'll have other interesting things to talk about next week. And I, uh, I want to thank you and the listeners for taking the time to join in. It always is interesting. Each week that goes by, there's always something new. And, folks, if you have any questions for us, please write to us. The email address is questions at theorganicview.com, or you can reach out to me on social media. Thank you for tuning in. This has been June Stoyer with The Organic View Radio Show. Have a great afternoon.